All right, so here I am in my backyard. Um, not really expecting to do an episode right now. However, my dad decided let's do an episode. So, introducing no one else but my dad. Here is my dad. Hello. 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 Um, I'm going to pull up a chair to get a little closer so I can hear. Yeah. Uh, that's. Yeah. I'm going to get a folding Fold. chair. Big out. Um, not really prepared with questions right now, but whatever I, comes to your head. Yeah, I think one. Let's start from the beginning. You have had, again, hardships in your life that a lot of people don't usually go through. Take us through those moments in high school where it was you're on the football team. However, your parents were going through a rough spot in your life. Well, I mean, football kept me afloat in mm-hmm. high school, even though my grades were not great. I think that was a factor of, of what I was going through. Uh, when I entered high school, um, my mother got leukemia. At the time, it was 1980, and I guess the medicine at that time was not up to speed what it is now. And uh, before you know it, she passed away. There was there was moments in time where, I mean, she was gone for like seemed like eternity like she was alive but in a hospital in manhattan and we would go there on 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 you know christmas and thanksgiving but man just just the whole dynamic of the family fell apart between cleaning the house and the dog acting the way it is and just all of us i remember the day we found out it was just like a shock to all of us Mm -hmm. and uh you know, high school was it was it was hard without that support system because going into high school, you know, I had a great eighth grade football start. I had great grades, and and this happened and it sucked the life out of me. Sucked the life out of me. And this was the freshman year. Freshman year, I got mono. I missed the whole entire year. Uh, I think that was because of what was going on in my life and. It was hard. It was really, really hard. And, you know, it's not like now where if you have a parent that dies in high school, especially Central, you know, they'll, they'll keep an eye on you. No one, no guidance counselor, no one helped me, you know, just to talk to about things, mm-hmm. you know. So um, it was rough. It was, it was rough. It was, it was a, a shock to the system. And how long did she – so she, you said – Freshman year of high school, how long did she stay in the hospital for until she passed? Um, I remember she was watching the Cleveland Ra- Cleveland Brown Raider playoff game. We were uh, she was watching the Raider Eagle game. So that was January of '80, and I think that end of the year she got cancer, mm-hmm. and that started the whole. Through that, the end of the year, almost like when John Lennon was shot, um, she was in the hospital for like practically 
it seemed like like two years. And and my father would constantly go to Manhattan and and go there and it just and a few times I went up there and toward the end she was uh, in intensive care and at one point she couldn't talk and she had to write on a pad and it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, I never thought that would ever happen to me. You see kids without parents, I'm like, you know, that would that's not gonna happen to me, but it did. And then, then my father just gave up. He gave up after that. How long? And she died when? She died going into my freshman year. Going into your freshman year. Yeah. And then your dad passed how long after that? Junior year. Going into my, like, junior year, senior year. Mm-hmm. I remember I was across the street at my girlfriend's house, and her brother came to me and said, there's an ambulance in front of your house. Okay. Run upstairs. Uh, paramedics come in He's on a stretcher the Last thing he said to me Make sure Billy doesn't get my wallet <laughs> And uh, We went to the hospital They tried to revive him And they said they couldn't do it Yeah Overweight Smoked um, I would think A form of depression And uh, He just didn't want to live anymore Yeah And it's funny because My father Never wanted to go anywhere With my mother Never Like to weddings and stuff like that but when she died he was like you know where's Lucy where's Lucy you know and the time he missed was the time he should have been with her you know and after she died and it just wasn't wasn't the same anymore you know wasn't it just it was bad and how often did you go see her how and you go in the hospital yeah how often do you think not many times it was so hard. To, it was, it was, it was up. Sloan Kettering was on the like the west side or east side of Manhattan. It was so far uptown. Mm-hmm. And the few times I went, and again being a little kid, and back at the time, I think there was restrictions about going up to see sick people, and and uh, it was crazy. I remember one time spending a Christmas in the hospital. We had a tree, and my brother Billy had a girlfriend, and. She was real close to my mom, and all Billy's friends were close to my mom, and it was it was a shock. It was like, what, you know? And I remember the funeral. You know, it was two days long. The funeral parlor was on my block, and it was just it was just a long ordeal. Just just never ended. Yeah, never ended. My my aunt fainted at the at the at the funeral parlor. Uh, I think my father actually had a heart attack. When he found out that she died. And uh, I remember my Aunt Louise talking about it. And when I found out my mother died, I was down the shore. And a policeman came to the house that I was staying at. And I knew for a fact that was that was it. And uh, Teddy got on the phone and said, listen, don't bother coming up. Come up tomorrow. Things are chaotic. I hear in the background people crying and, and just flipping out. And uh, that was it. That was it. And so it was a real shock to you in the beginning. And how do you think your brothers fared with it as well, since they were much older than you Um, at the time? I think Teddy didn't really show any emotion at all. Nothing. Uh, I I think it hit him now. But at the time, he didn't really show much emotion. My brother Billy did. Yeah. But but Teddy did not. 
since he was also 10 years older than you. And at this time, that would be about 24? Yeah. About? Yep. Um, so do you think he's, he was kind of moved on at that point from the whole family situation? I think so. He, you know, he went to Seton Hall and got a job and, you know, traveling the world and having a good time. And, you know, it was just like an interruption of his life. And didn't really feel like, hey, I need to, you know, be part of this. Yeah. But I think after, after the fact, I know now, he 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 feels he he feels that you know that what happened was was horrible. Yeah. And your brother Billy as well. You said that his friends were close to your yeah. mom. They would come to the house. First of all, the basement was the hangout. Everybody would come to the basement. Uh, my grandmother lived on the first floor. She was very religious. That was my father's mother. And uh, she'd have people from church singing songs down there. And they'd sing songs. And, you know, uh, you'd hear Led Zeppelin being played in the background. But they would come to the house on Christmas. And my mother would make cookies for everybody. And they, she'd give them cookies. And they wouldn't come to the house to see Billy. They would just come to see my mother. Right? To just, just hang out with my mom. And, uh, you know, she'd be always ask some questions about their lives and what they're doing and, and get on their cases. And so she was that, that mother hen, yeah. you know, that, that people respected. And even, even every Sunday, we'd go to my grandmother's house, and she would be the kind of leader. She'd be the one kind of, like, running the show. So she was generally well-respected in your community oh, as uh, well. Oh, big time. Big time. And big time. I mean, on, on summer nights, I mean... People sit out on the porch, and man, it must have been at least ten people sitting on the porch on our house. Yeah, just from neighbors coming over, and I remember Mrs. Murphy coming over, and Mr. Murphy, and they would just, you know, they would adore my mother, you yeah. know, and, and they they were so they were devastated that that she passed away, you know. So rounding it all up, like generally, it seems that it was a pretty big loss at the time. Oh yeah. It was not to yourself or your family, but just to everyone. To everyone. Knew her. Everyone. And everyone. I remember. I remember being in the church, um, and then the, the the loud crying, and I would, you know, of course I was crying, but just a lot of people were just bawling their eyes out and were just in shock that this all came about. Yeah. So. So this happens. You are a freshman in high school. You have all this happening to you, and you got to be thinking to yourself, like, what am I going to do with myself? Talk me through, like, how you kind of dealt with that after trauma. I, I didn't know where to go. Yeah. There was no one to talk to. My father was never one to talk about things. My mother was always that person, and my father was not that guy. Billy was not that guy. I mean, Billy would give me some advice, but not much. And Teddy was Teddy. Teddy was for himself. Um, and it was four men in the house, and me being the youngest. And it was, uh, you know, I wasn't really guided by anything. My grades, I didn't do really well in school. And, you know, I, I kind of, football at that point was just whatever. You know, I think if I, if I put some effort into it, I would be at least decent. But I just kind of just went with the flow and didn't really care anymore. I really didn't. At that point in my life, I didn't care. I looked at life and said, listen, it can't be get any worse until I get to that point that my mother got to. 
everything else is pretty simple, but when I get to that point, that's the hardest part. Yeah. You know, so. And maybe that hurt me in a lot of ways, being that type of attitude where it changed me, and that laid-back attitude, and like, I'm not stressing over this or that until I get to that point. And uh, it's just the way I am. That maybe there's a reason for everything, and there's the reason that I turned into that type of person. So. Yeah, just... Just the way, the way it went. Just, just the way mind. it went. Just the way it went. You know. And you going with the flow you said hindered you. Do you think, or do you think it hindered you? Sometimes some I think it did. I think I think a, a few people took advantage of me. Yeah. And uh, I never learned to kind of be that, you know, type of guy that always, you know, that was. I wasn't a leader. You know, I was more of just going with the flow. And, uh, and I thought that sometimes in relationships and sometimes with women, it kind of hindered me. And, you know, I wasn't that, that masculine guy. I was like, hey, whatever, man. You know, whatever. So. And you go through this period of going with the flow and kind of just kind of also trying to find yourself, it seems like. Trying to find out you're, who you really are supposed to be. What yeah. kind of turned that around where you're... You got your job, went through college, got, or was kind of college also well, just? You know, when I went to work, you know, I, I went to college. I tried to go to college in Florida. I came back within like two days. All right, that didn't work out. Did a little bit of community college, got like a job, you know. Then I see other people telling me that they went to college. And I'm like, I'm smarter than them, and I can, I can achieve that. So eventually I, I figured, you know, I went back to work at Payne Weber at the time and I had Payne Weber pay for my schooling at St. Peter's. I went at night and got an accounting degree and, you know, I thought that would lead to more of a, of a good job at UBS, but that got tiring. And then, you know, I just didn't like the BS that was there and, you know, and got a history degree, thought I'd be a history teacher, you know, got certified in that and this and that. It all came full circle. You know, I'm back in teaching business. But I'm back being a teacher and a coach, which I think I know I like. Yeah. You know, so. And do you think that now you said earlier not a lot of people really guided you through this mental tough, mentally tough situation. Do you think because of what you lacked, you want to give as well? Yes. Being a teacher and being a coach? Yes, I agree with that. I did, did what I went through, and again, things happen for reasons. I think I, I'm the way I am, knowing that I'm put in a position to teach or coach to help these kids understand life. Yeah. And you also said, um, what was I going to say? Do you also kind of want to, like, for football and for teaching, kind of be that community person as well, like your mom was as well? Yeah, she I, was. Yeah, I, I like that, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, if I know, if, if I'm willing, if I have something that can help somebody else, you know, I'll do it for them. You know, just, just, just knowing me a little bit. And if I, if someone tells me, hey, you know, I'm trying to get a job at Wall Street. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, my brother, I can hook you up with him and connect with him or, or some other thing that I, I, I know someone that can help, 
I'll go out of my, I think it's my duty to help them. You know, it's just part of being, knowing people, you know, that, that networking, you know, but, but just, just the way I am. You want to help people. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember, um, I got a job and I remember Jose Garcia, uh, he was friends with Bob. He went to school with us and I'd always see him walking on Broadway and like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with yourself? You know, Hey, I'm working at this place in, in Jersey city. I can't get a job there. Like, it wasn't like, you know, a career-changing job, but it was money. Something, yeah. Yeah, I got him a job, you know? So I just felt that's how I am. I, I just like to help people. Yeah. Um, and going back to football, uh, I know we talked about your, your life situation, but I think football definitely runs deep in you. Uh, you always talk about stories about watching these games and playing football and just enjoying and being a part of this team life of the Raiders. Um, How do you think during going back during that period with your mom, how do you think football either helped, hindered, or just just generally based on? Well, I mean, football was, you know, I tried out for baseball. Baseball was boring. I tried out for, uh, C.J. Murphy Chargers, right? And I got my ass kicked. and But I kept on playing. I played guard or center, and I started right away. And then I played the next year. We went undefeated. We won a championship. I'm like, hey, football is fun. I love to hit, hit people. You know, and that, and that team bonding would made it, you know, I, I don't know much about be playing on a team with baseball, but football just was something I just loved. And... Uh, I played in high school. I was okay. I thought I could have been better. I thought a lot of things happened to me in high school. But, you know, being a Raider fan, I just, I just, I remember sitting and watching the Ghost to the Post game Christmas Eve and just the whole Raider mystique and the players and the uniforms. And I just love the Raiders. I just love, I love everything about them. They can do no wrong. Um, <laughs> And I just, I just, that's part of me. They're, they're part of me. Weird to say that, but they are. And how do you think that relationship formed between you and the Raiders? Um, a guy that lived upstairs, an older guy, gave me um, NFL posters. And the first poster I opened up was a Raider poster. And the emblem on the helmet, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then I watched the game. I'm like... You know, and I played football. I'm like, you know, and I you know, hung up pictures of Ken Stabler and Dave Dalby and Mark Van Egan all over my wall and Dave Casper and, you know, and I wanted to be Dave Casper or, or Fred Belitnikoff. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just love playing football. The smell of it, the, the team, <laughs> the locker room, you know, uh, I wish I could have been better, but I did have one good year that I was very good. And uh, it was fun It was fun being the guy. Yeah. The guy is definitely a good thing to be. Yeah, especially being a guy. Football. Being a guy. And then after the games, a few games, that the other team was like, you need to play for me. You <laughs> need to play for us. So, But like I said, the, the energy that was sucked out of me once my mother died... That was it. I was done. I it was, it was, it was over with. Did football help you in any way with that coping? 
Like I just, think being with the guys and being around them. But again, you know, I, in high school, you know, again, you, you meet, it's a new high school, new girls, you know, and, and I was infatuated with women. <laughs> I was. And, you know, having a girlfriend, cheating on her, just, it was, it was that other drama that was on the side that if I could go back in time and not even get involved with that and stick to football and maybe do better with my grades, I could have, you know, maybe played in college or get, got into a school or something like that. But I didn't. I didn't do that. You know, and then I thought I was, I thought it was like one of the best guys on a team, but I just, I, I lost it. I lost that drive, that, that want. And you say that if you could go back, what would be like one quote or like one idea that you would want to bring back with yourself through that kind of hardship? That's an odd question, but just kind of one like piece of identity that you want to create for yourself back then rather than... Saying that that stuff didn't happen to me or it did? Did. How, how would you... Well, I would, I would, man, I would... If, if the Alan Smars now went back to the Alan Smars then and grabbed him and told him how to handle things... Yeah, what would he say? He would say, he would say that, that, you know, you need to stick to what you've been doing since she... when she was alive, Yeah. right? And let's not, let's not go left. Let's go straight down the middle like we've been doing. Hit the books, right? I know she's not there to help you study, right? She's not there to support you in a crowd, Right? But she's there somewhere. She's there, right? It might not be physically there, but she's there, you know. And that's that's what I should have done, and and not to get involved with with women, because it it made me a bad guy. I thought a, a jerk, you know, a jerk that I would just. And looking back on it, I, I'm I'm not that type of guy. And with the women, just like cheating on having yeah, a girlfriend, just cheating, cheating or... just 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 being an idiot. Just being not a nice guy. And then, what kind of, like, now you're, as you said, a teacher, a business teacher, and we're at a fire that you've made with lights that are not turning on, that we made, and a bird feeder that there are no birds at, but still, you've come from an area of, like, hardship and of, like, not to say a poor area but just like a inner city an inner city type area yeah. of Bayonne yeah how did you ever would you even imagine yourself living out here no never never I never envisioned me being in this I thought Bayonne was it but it, it all you know changed at UBS and I met you know mom and you know, we eventually moved out here, um, and she was in that same situation too. Her father died, and um, she lived in Hoboken. That was the city. And uh, you know, it's funny. I've always said. I remember telling Mike Dooley, "I'm always, I'm going to marry a girl from Hoboken." He's like, "No way." I'm telling you, I'm going to marry a girl from Hoboken. <laughs> and I married a girl from Hoboken. From Hoboken. And then you guys moved out here. We in... moved from. We were in North Bergen. And then uh, we moved to Cliffside Park. That was during 9-11, around that time. And then uh, moved out here. And we had a hard time finding a house. Yeah. 
really hard times. And the woman was really nice and said that these people need to sell. She didn't really put it on the market because she knew she knew where we were trying to find it. Uh, and she, we got the house. Just listening to it, it's just like, from one perspective, it's a dead end in your freshman, or pretty much through your high school era. It's a dead end of misery and hardship. Oh, yeah. And now, 30 years later, it's kind of changed to be much more positive. Oh, yeah. And compared to your kind of motivation back then, how what kind of motivates you right now to... This. To push forward. This. Being with you and Chloe and the dogs and mom and, and how, she has an awesome family and all of that. I mean, well, you know, why wouldn't it push you to be, you know feel like all the bad stuff is behind me and and there's only good stuff ahead that's mm-hmm. how i look at it all that stuff you know you're gonna go through that stuff in your life i've been through there been there done that and now I'm, i don't want to see that again i think i've been through it already so uh that's how i feel and then yeah. look at it, a house with a nice white picket fence I it mean... doesn't need to be clean <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and then you decided to come back to coaching as well. I mean, what you you were a big football fan. What kind of brought you back into coaching as well? Because it's one thing to be a fan and to watch the game, but it's another thing to coach it and to coach not only kind of a lower peewee level, but also I, now a high school. I level. remember going to a football dinner, and and they were at around the table, and I was with Dan when I volunteered with Dan when you were playing and and they were trying to figure out who's going to coach the younger guys that 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 second level and they were naming names and this and that and and I wasn't thinking even myself but I knew inside I can do it I knew I can do it and I would give it 120% um and I remember him asking me he was well like a few days later, well, you know, they went around the table and they talked about these all these guys, but they didn't mention your name. I, and I think you can do it. He goes, well, why do you think me? He goes, well, you, you like it. You know, your son plays. You know, and, and from there, I was like, let me give it a shot. Yeah. See how it works. You know, and I, I put as much time as to understand a little bit more. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> And then before you know it, I was there was a high school freshman job open at the local high school, and I'm sitting down with Parati, who was like legendary. I'm like, I can't believe I'm even in the same room with this guy. <laughs> and uh, he offered me the job. I'm like, holy shit! I'm, I'm going to be a high school. I know it's minor, but you know, I coach flag football. I coach seventh grade football, and. I'm going to be a high school coach now. I mean, it kind of went real quick. And again, I just was myself and and just kind of put my spin on things. Mm -hmm. And didn't really care what people thought. And it seemed to be a winning formula. You know? And, uh, I mean, yeah. It's... It's got to be winning formula. It's it's kind of worked out for you in the best way. I mean, 
there's been a lot of people that have only said good things about you when you left Central. And a lot of people recognize you around town yeah. as being Big Al, Mr. Yeah. Smars. Yeah. So I think you've definitely left a positive impression on a lot of people. And I think that goes also a long way in its own right. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that, that whole thing that comes around, like, that I wanted to do, that my, my parents died, and I wanted to have that, give that impression and, and help in any way, whether it be football, business, or just life. Yeah. There's there it is like there it is right there, so uh, and especially like a high school era where you're saying that that's when all your hardship happened. Do you think that you didn't you chose high school kind of to teach and to coach and because that's kind of where you left off in your life? Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. You know, I didn't graduate on stage. You know, I remember. I had to go to summer school my senior year. You know, Miss Holtra gave me a 67 in a math class. I don't remember what math class. And then I remember people, like, protesting in front of her door and, and going by her house and screaming and yelling. And you look back on it, you know, yeah, if, if it was me, you know, if I was the teacher and I knew that person went through a lot of things in their life, man, damn right I'm going to give them that three points and let them pass the class and graduate on stage. Yeah. You know, and the kids that I have now, you know, some of the kids are going to summer school. And I told them, I told them straight out, I said, listen, I went to summer school my senior year and it sucked. I don't want to see anybody do that. You know, I can help you as much as you can. You know, I can maybe give you a few points here or there to get you to that point. But if you're in a hole, I can't rectify or, you know, say, hey, I gave him 20 points to get him out. There's no way I can show that. But if there's a way I can give you a few points... I'll make it happen. Because, uh, again, I, I went through that whole thing of going to summer school my senior year. Yeah. And that blew. And I had a job down the shore, and I had a shore house. And I and I messed it up. And I remember Sean going by Holy Family, and he'd sit outside, and he'd hold him two eight-packs of Budweiser and stand there. <laughs> busting my balls. Um, you know. But that was Sean. <laughs> <laughs> who eventually lived behind Holy Family. That, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Hilarious. And it's funny. The girl I eventually dated, she'd always see me in high school, in that summer school. So. You got around, though. <laughs> yeah, I like to have a good time. You just, you know... So, how do you feel the future is for Alan Smars right now? After, I think great. Talked about, it. yeah. I think great. My body's breaking down a little bit, but I just, you know, getting a little older, and but I, I just feel young, you know. Just keep on going, like I said. Uh, you know, people ask me how I'm doing. I'm breathing. <laughs> That's what matters, man. I'm breathing, and the lights are not going on. Lights are not going on. What is I, the problem? I'm sure it's just because I turned them on. Not because, like, I don't know. I think I messed it up, but we'll see. And then, I guess one last question for everyone out there. Okay. Name me three goals of your future. If you can only name one, that's fine. But to retire. To travel. To travel. And to be a grandfather. Anything else? To live to 100. Live to 100. That's a good goal. 
All right. Anything else you'd like to say? No. <laughs> All right. And that was my dad, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I don't know who I'll be talking to next as per usual, but I hope you enjoyed. I hope you guys are having a good day.